Hey everyone, my name is Sheila and I'm one of the leaders here at HDBB. Three days ago was Ascension Day and that is the day that we remember, the day that Jesus ascended into heaven. But let's read first from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates. The Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for your word and I pray that you will open our hearts and minds to understand and internalize your message for us today. Give us greater perspective of who you are and just a fresh vision for our lives here on earth. Amen. You know, my Instagram feed is somehow somewhat filled with a lot of nonsensical cute animals. Um, not that I'm really complaining, although I'm quite amazed at how much time I can actually spend watching cute animals on Instagram. Um, and there was this trend quite a while back uh, where what would happen is that dog owners, they were kind of like, Test their, test their pets, right? So they would leave a treat on the table and they would tell their pet, um, don't eat this until I've come back. And then they would kind of test them. So they'll go away. Um, and then if they come back and the treat is still there, and then they will feed the treat to, uh, to the pet. And so I came across this really cute video that I really want to share with you guys today. And it's where this dog truly outsmarted his owner. So let's watch together. <laughs> I wonder whether some of us feel this way about Jesus not being physically present with us anymore. Jesus left some 2,000 years ago, and we know it's said in the Bible that he will come again at some point in the future. And perhaps there's a part of us that feels like until then, we are just here trying our best to navigate life and hopefully, Hopefully, we get it right before he comes back. And only then, there will be joy and goodness to be experienced. But that's really not the case. There's this really helpful perspective uh, of the Bible that I learned quite a while back. And basically, it's this idea of storylines. Um, that from the first page to the last page of the Bible, um, we can trace storylines all throughout the books, even though there are various books by various authors spanning across many generations and centuries, because ultimately the Bible is inspired by God. 
And we can find storylines and themes that cut through uh, the entire Bible. And one such storyline is the storyline of creation. And so it's this storyline of creation, decreation, and recreation. Or sometimes people say um, it's creation, um, the fall, which is where decreation and all of uh, what was set out in creation was undone. And then recreation is divided into redemption and renewal. And it's the idea that, you know, at the beginning of time, God created and all he created was good. And he created humankind in his image and his likeness, in close proximity with himself and in relationship with himself. And we read all about this in Genesis 1 and 2. Then in Genesis 2 and 3, we read about the fall or decreation. And this is the moment that sin entered into the world and tarnished the goodness of creation, unraveled this vision that God had, creating this barrier between creation and God. A barrier that then God, time and time again, in his love for us, has tried to remove. And this is the beginning of redemption. All throughout the Old Testament, we read God's redemptive ark for the Israelites. Uh, over and over again, we read it in the story of Noah's ark. We read it in Moses and the exodus from Egypt. We read it in Joshua and the entry into the promised land. All of the judges and the kings to follow. There's this storyline of redemption throughout the Old Testament. All of this foreshadowing what Jesus was going to do ultimately on the cross to redeem humanity. And we read about Jesus' life, death and resurrection in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And Jesus entered into the mess of decreation, into the mess of the fall and sin in the world for the redemption of us all. And that's amazing stuff, right? But the story doesn't end there. And often we tend to focus just on this middle bit, right? On the fall and then redemption. Forgetting that there was a beginning where God had this amazing vision for the world. And there is this end where God will restore all things to that initial vision that God had for creation. And so after redemption, there is renewal. And that is where we are in today. And it will reach its pinnacle and its fullness when Jesus returns. But we can experience and witness this even today. We are a new creation in Christ. And I think it's so exciting and liberating to see where we are in this creation narrative. Jesus' ascension and the events of Pentecost, which we will celebrate next Sunday, marks the beginning of the church and this phase of renewal. It's this period of time that we live now in anticipation of Jesus' return. And the ascension specifically gives us certainty confirming this narrative. Well, how? I believe there are four truths that we can take away from the events of the ascension. Truths that we can anchor in and remind ourselves of where we are in the creation narrative and what we have to look forward to in this lifetime and beyond. So let's jump right in. The first truth is this. Jesus' work on earth for our salvation is finished. In verse 6, uh, in Acts 1, we read, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Six weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, learning about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, you know, let's just for a moment imagine ourselves on that first Easter Sunday, or in that period, you know, when uh, Jesus actually died and resurrected. So Jesus died and the disciples and all of Jesus' followers, they were left in devastation. To them, all was lost. Everything they believed in crumbled before their very eyes as they saw Jesus breathe his last breath on the cross. And in fact, what we read is that the disciples, they went back to fishing. 
You know, they press control Z on their lives, reverting back to a life without Jesus. But suddenly, three days later, we read that Jesus was resurrected and they rejoiced. And we read they spent the next 40 days together, hanging out, having meals, unpacking scripture. Jesus himself talked through the scriptures and how it all pointed to the cross and what it means for us. And yet, in all of that time with Jesus, learning and following him, there was still one key point that they missed even until then, that his work was finished. As he was about to leave, they asked him, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were still looking for a certain type of victory, a visible victory, a political victory, an outward victory. Jesus' victory on the cross was not an outward victory over human rulers or kingdoms, but this inward work over the power that sin had over our lives. It was not this localized victory to just a certain group of people at that time, uh, but for all people across nations. And it was not restricted to just the lifetime of the disciples, but um, a victory that reverberates across time, even until today and even until the future, until he comes back. If you ever begin to doubt your salvation, if you ever begin to doubt that you can have a relationship with God, if you be, ever begin to doubt that you have the power over sin and death, that you can turn to God no matter what your past looks like, no matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes that you are making even right now, look to the events of the cross and then look to the ascension. Jesus left because his purpose on earth was fulfilled. His redemptive work is finished and we can receive this today by turning to and following Jesus. The second truth that we can get from the ascension is that Jesus is alive and active today. In verse uh, 3, we read, you know, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And further down in verse 9, you read, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus died, resurrected, and ascended. What does that mean, right? You know, where did he go? And what is he doing right now at this moment? At this point, it can be easy to think like we are in the situation of that puppy I showed in the first video, unsure where the owner is. Or maybe it's that feeling of, you know, when, you're, when your boss goes away on a long holiday uh, and you don't know where they are, you just know that they're gone, probably enjoying themselves, having, having finally left the stresses of the office behind them, uh, but still fully expecting us to work um, and, and be on our best behavior. You know, maybe you have this image of Jesus hanging out with the angels on the clouds, listening to the harps, sipping a nice uh, ice-cold green tea, branded heaven and earth, um, you know, that kind of vision. But on the contrary, Jesus going away actually means that he can be even more present, even more active for us today. Not just for his disciples and not just for the first century Christians, but for all believers all across time. How? You know, I, I love the way Tim Keller uh, explains this. He gives this an analogy. Imagine you are the author of a storybook. The only way the characters in the book can know who you are is if you write yourself into the story of the book to interact with the characters. And that is what God did. So God, who sits outside of time and space, 
He wrote himself into time and space for all of us to get to know him. He lived on earth for that specific purpose that we talked about earlier. And then now he is ascended. We read uh, in Mark chapter 16, verse 19, it says, After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. So where did Jesus go? He ascended to heaven. He didn't go to a different uh, place within time and within space uh, he, where he can only exist in one spot at one uh, point in time, but he returned to the throne by the right hand of God, back to this space, to this place outside of time and space. Outside of time and space, which changes how he can interact with creation. And this is massive to realize. By ascending to heaven, the risen Jesus, who is alive still today, can be with all of us always. You can know him personally today. And not only is he alive, he is active. Uh, in the Old Testament, there were a few key roles uh, that we read um, certain selected people were anointed by God to do. Um, and namely, um, the, the big roles were you know, prophet, priests, and kings. And all of these roles, as we read in the Bible, we see that they're all a foreshadowing of Jesus' ministry. Jesus did all of these roles and all of these things when he was alive. Uh, a prophet is one who brings truth and points people towards God. A priest is one who mediates between the people uh, and God, carrying out back then in the Old Testament, carrying out certain sacrificial rituals for the atonement of the sins of the people. And a king, of course, um, as you would know, is one who rules over a group of people, establishing a law, protecting the people, leading them forward. And Jesus did all of these things when he was alive. As a prophet, his teachings and the miracles he performed showed people God's character and will, calling people to repentance and faith in God. As a priest, he was the ultimate mediator, reconciling us with God through his death. And as a king, he established a new way, a new way of life for Christians, bringing God's kingdom here on earth. But what the ascension tells us is that Jesus is still doing all of these things today. Outside of time and space, he's doing this at this cosmic level for all people across all time. He is a prophet. His words continue to bring people back to God. As we read his teachings in the Bible, as we continue to go out and share the gospel to others, his word is going out into the world and he continues to be the way, truth and life for more and more people. Every single day, people are being set free as they turn to God through Jesus. Free from guilt, from shame, unforgiveness, addiction, pain, brokenheartedness and so much more. And you too can be set free today. He is still a priest. We read in the Bible that today, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and he lives to intercede for us. Jesus is praying for you and me and that's incredible. This is why we know we can continually turn to God in repentance and receive forgiveness because Jesus who is righteous is there by God praying for us in his own name, pleading our righteousness on our behalf. The God of the universe is keeping you and me in his prayers. And finally, he is a king, leading us as we live our lives. Seated in heaven, Jesus is above all, knows all, and is in control. And while it might look like the world around us is overpowering, Jesus ultimately is in the throne. The Bible says all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And therefore, we as his believers live within this. So if you ever doubt that God is for you, 
Remember that the ascension tells us that Jesus is playing an active role in each and every one of our lives today. And he's able to do that because he is alive, seated in heaven. And this leads us to our third truth. Our future in eternity is secure. The resurrection of Jesus precedes the eventual resurrection of all believers. Because Christ was resurrected, we know that we will be too. And because Christ ascended to heaven, remaining alive today, we know that this future is certain for us too. And what is this future? As we go back to that biblical narrative that I spoke about earlier, the end of the story is beautiful. The climax of recreation, when renewal happens in its fullness, is when Jesus ultimately returns. And we read this in the very last two chapters of the Bible, in Revelation 21 and 22. This final picture of renewal, it describes how heaven comes down to earth, both heaven and earth being fully reconciled. And God makes his dwelling place with humanity just as it was in the beginning in Eden. And it says there will be no more tears, no more mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things have passed away. The former mess of decreation has fully passed. Creation is restored to all its glory, to the vision that God had from the very beginning. In Revelation, we read that God wants to make all things new. And the word used for new here is not new as in brand new, uh, but it's new as in something old that's been restored or redeemed. God wants to take all things and redeem it to its ultimate glory. He will redeem your desires, your work, your relationship with others and with creation. He will redeem the industries you work in, the music industry, the media industry, politics, education, and so on. Although sometimes, you know, I work in e-commerce and I'm just kind of wondering, what does a redeemed e-commerce industry look like in heaven? Um, and, you know, the closest I could think of was that, you know, maybe when we enter to heaven, we all get discount codes, heaven 5-0, 50% off for all new, not new users, but renewed users. Please don't quote me on this, it's terrible theology. But you get what I mean, right? Our future, the future that we have for all of us, it's amazing. And I don't know about you, but this changes how I view life on earth. I find it very liberating. It frees me from my fear of mortality. There's this amazing book by uh, Oliver Berkman. Uh, it's called 4,000 Weeks. And the basic premise of this book is that the average uh, human has 4,000 weeks to live. And he says that the reason that we have this culture of hustle, where more is more, stems from human beings coming face to face with their mortality. We feel a, desperate, a desperation to amass all the things, to um, achieve all the things, to experience all the things because life is short and well, you know, you only live once, right? The pressure of having just this brief life is crippling and robs us of the joy of just being. And this pressure is often what brings out of us, uh, brings out in us our sinful nature. You know, Martin Luther, a Reformation theologian, he describes sin as a life that's curved inwards, a life that place, places itself above all else, above others and above God's ways. And of course, if this life is all there is, it's so natural for us to wrestle with this wanting what we want above other things. However, realizing that life on earth is but a brief moment compared to the life we will have in eternity changes that. 
Suddenly, it's okay that in this life, I don't get everything I might desire. That house, that car, that certain amount of money, um, the traveling the world, that marriage that I really desire, the family uh, that I really want. And not that these things are bad to desire, but suddenly now I can rest in God's plans for me without forcing my hand because there is nothing that we will experience on earth that can compare to the fulfillment we will experience in eternity. And just as well, an eternal perspective also frees me to embrace mortality. Death is not the end. It does not have the final say in our lives. And there's so much hope in that for us and our loved ones. Do you believe in eternity? And it's a weighty question, but one that I would love to encourage you to really ponder on. And let the reality of Revelation 21 and 22 shape the way that you live today. But our lives today are so much more than that. We are not called to passively just count our days until eternity, to passively weather through life, just merely surviving until the end. But there is this active call on each of our lives, a purpose in this time on earth, which leads us to the fourth and final truth. Our present on earth is purposeful. <clears throat> In verse 10, we read, They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Last December, one of my really good friends uh, left the country for good to go back to the UK. And uh, at that time, a bunch of us went to the airport to send them off. And it was this really very teary-eyed event, but also kind of somewhat amusing because it was also that day that we realized that once a passenger passes through immigration, we at the top can actually follow them all throughout their journey to the aerotrain. And that means that there was this little entourage in the airport that was following these guys from the top. And at every turn, when they passed immigration, when they checked through their bags um, at the front, when they were putting their bags through, and at the end, when they received their bags, they looked up and they saw us at every turn all the way until they went to the aerotrain. Each moment they looked up at us and they would see us waving by the window, just looking down at them, sad like little puppies. And then after that, when we couldn't see them anymore, we just went to McDonald's as you do at the airport and we just sat there sadly. And you'd think by looking at us that video calls don't exist. I imagine the disciples being a little bit like that. You know, their good friend Jesus just left and they were staring just into the space where they last saw him, just kind of, missing him or looking wistfully uh, into that gap. Until they're snapped out uh, of their senses by these two uh, um, men dressed in white, which most people say were likely angels. And these angels, I can imagine them, you know, looking at the disciples, looking up at the sky, and they're just like, hey, you know, chop, chop. Jesus gave you guys a mission. Let's step on it. <clears throat> Jesus' last instructions were in verse 8. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God, in his compassion for creation, means for every person to the ends of the earth to hear his message, uh, the gospel message and receive salvation. And somehow, for whatever reason, he has chosen to partner with the church to bring this message out. Pete Hughes, whose material I reference quite a bit in talking about this creation narrative, says that it's this same narrative of creation, decreation, and recreation that is the one that the church is called to live out in the present. 
The renewal that we begin to experience within ourselves when we follow Jesus is something that we actively bring into the world. He says that as we enter into culture, and that is creation, we enter into culture uh, looking to understand and looking to empathize with the brokenness of the world, and that's the mess of decreation. So we empathize with the brokenness of the world, but with the power that is within us, given to us by God, we establish then a new culture, and that's recreation. One that brings God's kingdom to life here on earth, that brings that renewal uh, here, visible in a tangible way here on earth, even today. And the instruction to us is to be witnesses. How? Well, I think there are three ways. So the first is we are witnesses through what we proclaim what we say about Jesus, how we tell each other, how we tell others about Jesus, about his life, death, resurrection, and about what that means for humanity, about what that means for the life that we live today. <clears throat> but that also then means that we are witnesses through the way that we live out our faith. Are our lives shaped by the gospel, transformed by the gospel? Being witnesses doesn't mean that we have to quit our jobs today, work for the church and give sermons on the streets, Although if that's something that God's calling you to, that's amazing. But being witnesses happens wherever you are at, in your families, in our workplaces, in our daily interactions, you know, at the cafe as we are lining up, uh, even as we interact with others on the traffic jams of Malaysia. As we let our lives be transformed by the gospel, as we, we ourselves continually experience the peace, joy, hope and goodness uh, that this gospel brings, as we persevere, because we know we serve a bigger purpose. Others can experience this gospel message through our lives. And finally, we are witnesses through how we love. After all, we love because God first loved us. And Jesus himself said that the world will know him through the way that we show love to one another. We bring compassion to a world that needs Jesus. <clears throat> we don't know when Jesus will return, or at least that's as much as we know that we don't know. But in this time that we have between the ascension and when he will come back, it is clear that we have a purpose to take on. If you ever question whether your life carries weight, whether your life carries meaning, just look to the fact that Jesus, uh, as Jesus ascended, he left us a mandate. This can transform the way that we live our lives every day. And until he comes back, we live with this purpose to be witnesses for Christ here on earth. But the most important piece of the puzzle is this, that we don't ever do this by our own power. We have an earthly responsibility, but with a heavenly enabling. Jesus remains with us through the Holy Spirit that he sent. We read in verse 4 and 5, On one occasion, when he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, wait. Don't do all these things until you receive the Holy Spirit. And actually what he means is, you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. All this only makes sense when the Holy Spirit is with us and in us. And next week is Pentecost where we will celebrate the day that this happened when the Holy Spirit came down in the church and filled the disciples, empowering them for their mission. And I'm just going to end with this uh, 
with this story that I saw on Instagram recently. It's uh, this guy, Stephen Foster. And it's just, and I love the, the mundaneness of this story. And so the story goes like this. Stephen Foster, he, he, he's a pastor in the UK and he um, planted a church um, in Oxford. And of course, because entering a new city, he was looking for a barber. And, uh, and so he tried a few different barber shops, and then finally he found one that he thought, okay, you know, this guy, he looks like he can cut a mean haircut. And so he walked in, he sat down on the chair, um, and then he just started to have a conversation um, with this barber. And it was nothing um, out of the ordinary, you're just having a regular conversation as hairdressers do when you're seated there, captive audience. And um, one, it sort of came up in the conversation that Stephen works for the church. And uh, in that moment, the barber just took a step back and he was kind of like, whoa, hey, you know what? You know, I didn't want to say this. Or I didn't want to mention this because I thought it was a bit strange. Um, but the moment that you sat in this, you know, I've been going through a lot in my life. Um, and there's just a lot of struggle, a lot of anxieties that I've been experiencing. But the moment that you sat on this chair and we started to converse, I just suddenly felt like a burden had been lifted off my shoulders. And I can't explain it. You know, I, can't, I don't know what the experience was, but it began as you sat in that chair. And the way Stephen recounts this story is just that he was like, you know, I don't sit on the barber chair any differently to anyone. Um, I wasn't uh, sitting there praying. I wasn't sitting there in a holy posture or anything. I was just sitting there. And if, and if he's really honest, he wasn't even maybe even feeling that great or he wasn't just, uh, you know, in, in, in the best state of mind even at that time as he sat there. And to him, the way he talks about it is just don't discount the power that the Holy Spirit living in us has for the community around us and what it does to the realm and the spiritual realm around us, to the people around us, just by it living in us and us entering into the world, into our communities, into our families, into our workplaces. It is truly the Holy Spirit that is in us that enables us to do anything that God wants us to do. And so let's just take a moment now to pray and to welcome that Holy Spirit uh, within us uh, maybe wherever you are sitting or standing, um, uh, as you're listening to this, you might just want to uh, put your hands up um, as I pray for us to welcome the Holy Spirit. It's not, uh, it's not that body language is uh, extra special. It just helps us have a position, a right posture towards God. So let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, would you fill us right now in this moment? As I was praying um, and writing this sermon, there were uh, kind of a few thoughts that came to mind that might resonate with some of you. And if that's you, I would really love to um, highlight these words and, and maybe pray for you as well. Uh, the first is when maybe I mentioned uh, a bit about mortality and the reality of uh, you know, our brief life here uh, on earth. And there's something in that that has always struck a fear uh, in you, maybe for yourself or for some of your loved ones. Um, and the other is uh, um, that uh, maybe you 
are looking for Jesus in your life, that uh, maybe this is the first time you've heard about all um, that Jesus has done for you and all that Jesus can still do for you today. Um, and you would love to welcome Jesus uh, into your life. And I would love to pray for you if that's you. And the last is um, maybe what you feel is that you are in the world and you, you, you're tired. Um, that you're trying your best, you're striving, you really want to honour God, but you don't know how. And, and I feel that when, when I mentioned about the Holy Spirit, um, that resting in the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit in you uh, lead you in that, uh, that really struck something in you and you really like that. <clears throat> so let, let me just pray for us. And actually, if you would really like to receive uh, Jesus in your life, I would love to uh, say a prayer and maybe what you can be doing is to echo this prayer uh, in your heart. So let me pray that first. Jesus, I thank you um, that you came to earth and died on the cross for us. And in doing that, you have removed the barrier that I have with God. I'm sorry for the things I've done in the past or the things that I'm doing now um, that are not of you, Lord. And I pray um, that you would help me to turn towards you. And I ask that you would fill me right now with your Holy Spirit. And now I'd just love to pray for, for any one of you in those other two groups. Lord, I just pray for those who, who have this fear of their mortality. Lord, I just pray that you will give them comfort, that you will give them an assurance uh, in their eternal life in you. I pray that uh, you, would, you would be filling them with your spirit, that you unpack the words in the Bible as they uh, spend uh, reading the words of the Bible, if they spend time uh, understanding what eternal life means, what uh, uh, a kingdom life means even here on earth. I just pray that they would receive a peace within them, that this is nothing that they have to fear because of what you have done on the cross for us. And I pray for all of those who are listening to this video, uh, no matter where they're at um, or when they're listening to this, I just pray even right now that you would fill um, us all with your spirit and that you would continue to fill us with your spirit each and every day. And that spirit will go and empower us to do the things that you have set up before us um, in our daily lives. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.